1: It's the Fantasy Football Players Championship Big Payback Draft Live on Red vs. Blue A special two-hour episode Here we go, gang The stores are open People buying People trying Climbing To get to the shop Of the world in this And they're wearing It's simple timing I'm taking my bills some pills. He's talking behind the wheel Actors acting, rap, and rap And taxing a drug of a deal Homeless are looking for pills The thief is still looking to steal look You chasing the money, you chasing You praying for marriage, romance in your honey I'm searching, but where does it end? I'm leaning, I'm calling a friend I'm running and running for someone To lend me a hand or to help me ascend To be a shopper
0: bleeds red, and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. All right, let's go. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio. With your hosts Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404, Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike.
2: I'm glad you called me, my brother, my Your time is up, my time
1: Radio, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, team legacy in the world of high stakes fantasy football. And as always, I'm joined by the Big Blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael yes, Trent. Mike. This is the biggest draft of the year that we have on Red versus Blue every single year. It's the baby BP, the, the big payback satellite draft. What do you think? What do you, What's going on tonight, buddy? Well, i tell you
2: what, uh, so far I've, I've seen the f- uh, first uh, five, six picks, and, uh, you know, it's going to be really exciting with the uh, group of uh, players involved. Uh, Lonnie Graves, Kip Lockwood, Jeff Smith, Billy Wise, Rock, uh, Jeff Gill, Wayne Ferguson, uh, Oliver, I mean, KG, uh, or KJ, Tom, Derramani, uh But the first thing I'm seeing right away is, Ray Rice is stepping up. I mean, he he keeps moving up the draft boards.
1: And you left off Michael Bronte and Victor from Big F and Dynasty Show. It is a great lineup. I'm really impressed by this draft. I can't wait to see this. This is the draft that I need, that you all need to look at when you're you're trying to figure out what those drafts in just a a matter of weeks, uh, well, less than two weeks away now, Uh, Two weeks away, we'll be drafting sitting live in Caesars Palace for the Fantasy Football Players Championship, which really is incredible. They've grown in a short period of time to one of the premier, if not the premier, high-stakes fantasy contests in the country. So good to be with you, Mike. Good to be with the crew here, the chat room at Red vs. Blue. And uh, we're going to run down this lineup again all night long. We're going to look at draft strategy, but it's very interesting to see uh, that Arian Foster, uh, the great season that he had last year, That offensive line, the offensive system has put him at the top of most draft boards. When you watched that preseason game last week, if you had any question, if Foster was your guy, you kind of said, you know what, there's no reason to doubt this kid. Uh, He plays strong. He's got great vision, great power, good speed, and uh, he's just in a perfect system offense. It reminds you of those Dominic Davis years, but he's a much better player. So it's going to be a fun, fun Way to look at ADP. Myself, I have the one pick in Vegas as one of my teams. Um, I've got the one pick. So I'm very interested to see what Big Mo, Lonnie Gray, is one of the best high-stakes players in the country. What kind of decision does he make at that 2-3 turn? Do you, do you come out of there with two wide receivers? Do you get yourself a tight end and maybe another wide receiver so you're not get caught on any runs? Again, the FFPC, we'll, we'll be running down the format all night long for those that haven't played in the FFPC before same exact format, Mike, as the Football Guys Players Championships, the FPC. So it's the two running backs, two round receivers, one tight end, and two flex, which means you can start four running backs. And I bet you we see some running back heavy drafts tonight, Mike. We always do when it comes close to crunch time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've just been watching the uh, the draft so far, and, you know, I just would, uh, would like your thoughts so far, Scott, on uh, the fact that uh, Chris Johnson, he – you know he continues to fall in a lot of major drafts because of obviously the hold issue. Uh if you uh if you had your brother, so to speak, and uh to uh, say take the uh six seven eight position, would you take Chris Johnson right now at say uh pick six if he was available?
1: Very good question, Mike. I'm glad I'm not in that position because he's a very hard player to turn down. You could always back him up. I would say yes, because you could always back him up, as long as you can get that uh, Jamie Harper or Javon Rear. Kind of a tricky situation there. Not real sure what the handcuff is. I would probably play it safe with Andre or Calvin uh, before I would take uh, Chris Johnson. But he would be right up there around that 7-8 race, right where he went tonight uh, to Ollie's Raiders, Richard Oliver, joining the big payback crew, the big payback satellite draft. We're going to run down the lineup. Uh, again, all night long. There's a couple of games that are going on right now, the Rams and, and the Chiefs, that Lance Kendris kid. It'll be interesting to see what where he's drafted tonight. A lot of people don't like rookies, but this kid apparently is taking a, Sam taking a liking to him. He's a very talented kid. I traded him in a Dynasty League a while back, uh, a couple weeks ago, because I had to. I was running back desperate and got uh, Marshawn Lynch for him, so it's going to be interesting to see what Lance Kendricks is made of uh, and, and where he goes tonight. After uh, again starting off very hot again in this uh, game, not much else going on tonight. Uh, Joseph and I look decent. Would like to see where he goes. Steven Jackson looked good tonight uh, against the Chiefs, so maybe we'll see an uptick there. And then Sam Bradford, I mean, eight for ten, 76 yards and two touchdowns. You can't can't ask for much more than that. But again, these guys, Mike, and I'll and I'll throw this to you. What we've seen in these high-stakes leagues is our people are just waiting on the quarterback. The quarterback position has fallen off the earth and the planet this year. You're getting guys like Tom Brady and Romo and Rivers and all these guys in the fifth and sixth round sometime. And so people are just passing. The high-stakes players are passing on quarterbacks this year for the depth, and they're passing uh, on arguably a lot of the tight ends, too. There's several of them at the top. What do you think about that this year? Is this the year to, to wait on the quarterback, or what do you what do you think?
2: Yeah, you know what, Uh, the reason that I feel that there's been a lot of passing going on as far as uh, the quarterback and tight end is because I think there's a little bit more depth to the quarterbacks and tight ends. Uh, So, therefore, you you better go ahead and get your running backs and your wide receivers right now because you can grab a uh, a mid-level, like last year, a mid-level quarterback and He's going to picture Bill Fine come around uh, six or seven. Uh, so what I'm seeing, Scott, right now is that there's no urgency to get a uh, Rivers, you know, or a uh, you know a Brady, what have you, uh, the top quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, and those type of deals. There's no urgency to get those because you better solidify those other positions because there's a lot of depth. I mean, how many rounds does a Matthew Stafford go late? I mean, he goes really late in a lot of drafts. So that's just that's just my take on that. I uh,
1: I, I just watched Invictus take Darren McFadden and Antonio Gates on the 12 turn, and we're going to talk about that because I do think that Darren McFadden has that top five running back potential when healthy. But it's very interesting to see Antonio Gates getting that kind of love with his age being a factor, injuries being a factor, turf toes, nothing to play around with, uh, and he's been a victim of that in the past, and it appears that maybe some injuries are, are springing up again in this off season. So very interesting to see Gates going that high when there's other solid options uh, without as much – I mean, I guess you can't say it, but age is a definitely a consideration for players. And now Jermichael Michael Finley had a bad injury, but it's not like his age is like setting him up for more injuries. Look at what he did tonight. Uh, four for four, one and a touchdown Looked unstoppable And Reggie Wayne just walked one in uh, if, you, if you missed that Curtis Painter hitting Reggie Wayne had left his corner The corner just made a mistake Left Reggie but, Wayne wide you know, open And Reggie, walk, Reggie walked in for a 60-yard touchdown Scott,
2: watching this draft so far I mean, it is uh, It's very different than uh, Some of the drafts that I've been in Because the uh, the QBs are vacant I mean, nobody's taking them So, uh uh explain, is there any difference in this draft versus any others?
1: You definitely have to look at the, the dual flex as the biggest consideration of the FFPC format. You can start four running backs. You can start three tight ends. You can start four wide receivers. It gives you incredible flexibility to not have to worry about depth at a certain position. So you take the best player available, and that's what the FFPC is all about. You take the best player available, the guy that's going to get you the uh, – the biggest bang for your buck above the next available uh, player at that position, and uh, you know you should be uh, you should be good to go. That's why this format you don't have to worry about runs as much. You can just take the best player now. If I'm on the one, Sorry. that's why I want to see the, that's why I want to see what Lonnie Gray does at the two three turn because if you do go and neglect the wide receiver position, you're waiting for that four or five turns to, to get wide receivers. And I don't know. I mean, is it going to be? You know, are you going to get Kenny Britt and or Garcon or something? What are you, what, who are going to be your anchors at wide receiver? If you pass on wide receivers, you're not picking again until four twelve. So, very interesting to see. Now, we have two teams so far that have started running back. Running back, we've got two teams yeah, so back, far yeah. that started wide receiver, wide receiver. K.J. Duke with a lovely combination of Calvin Johnson and Vincent Jackson. Vincent Jackson has been flying up draft boards after the beast like performance in his first preseason game. And look, he is a beast. He always looks like a beast. Anytime we see Vincent Jackson, so Rivers with V Jax this year are set up for big, big things as wide receiver six off the board. What do you think of V Jax? Is that about the right spot for him?
2: Yeah, I would think so. Uh but then again, you know, I, I don't understand why uh maybe Frank Gordon maybe would have been a better fit for him, uh, since he's already got uh Calvin Johnson there.
1: Well, uh, that's a good point. You get you get Frank Gore to fall this far. Uh, but, again, it was, you know, Frank Gore has been known as the guy that gets you there and then lets you down because he just uh, he doesn't have the wheels to, to make it that full 16-game season that you need needing to. Maurice Jones-Drew, this is the year that we've seen him fall from grace, so to speak. He falls to pound for pound. Our good friend Wayne Ferguson, who we drafted with in Vegas last year, uh Andre Johnson, Maurice Jones Drew, that's quite a combination. Do you believe if you believe that Maurice Jones Drew can stay healthy. Now you gotta back him up with a Rashad Jennings if you are taking MJD. I don't know where he's gonna do it. Something that you have to consider. He doesn't have Rashad Jennings doesn't have as much value to the other teams on the board, but he has a lot of value to Wayne Ferguson and it'll be interesting to see where he takes him and backs him up. Uh the same with Frank Gore. You gotta get a backup for Frank Gore. The question is, there goes Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson down there, he's looking good. So, we'll see what happens to Jordy tonight. It's funny how these you know, these big plays uh, in the preseason affect ADP, uh, especially during these uh, preseason games. It's always, always funny to see that. Yeah, um, they do,
2: Scott. And, uh, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there uh, calculating my dynasty teams as well. You know, I'm going, oh, well, so-and-so makes a big play. I remember uh, a couple years ago, Play, made a big play, and I'm like, well, I can't wait to pick him up. Well, he didn't do anything else the rest of the year. So, you know, the, those preseason games, they can be,
1: uh, I mean, they can fi-
2: fragment everything.
1: Uh, Kip Lockwood takes your Michael Finley to pair him with Ray Rice at the 211 pick. So there's the second tight end off the board. Now, it's interesting on this Green Bay game. I think it's going to be fun to see where. There's been a lot of news with Ryan Grant. Uh, He definitely has guaranteed money, but there's a lot of love for James Starks right now, and I'm not so convinced that James Starks won't have the better fantasy totals. Oh, wide open, touchdown, Green Bay Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers looking like uh, the Aaron Rodgers of old. It'll be interesting to see where he goes in this draft, somewhere in the third round, I'm sure. Um, But back back on subject, James Starks, Ryan Grant. It'll be interesting to see if now the tide has turned and maybe more people believe in James Starks Versus Ryan Grant, these are big time players. Let's see what they have to say about that Green Bay backfield. Mike, I'm loving James Starks this year. I think he has the goods, and he showed us a lot last year. So let's see if he can give us an encore performance. Now,
2: you know, I, th- I think he could be uh, in some games, but uh, honestly, Scott, I don't think he's going to uh, be that big of a factor because it's just such a it's such a pass oriented offense and. They're gonna they're gonna run when they can, but uh, you know he'll he'll bust one here or there. But as far as a consistent player to put in your lineup uh, on a week to week basis, I'm not so sure I can do that.
1: Well, and that's
2: a good point,
1: Mike. Consistency is key. Consistency is key. Big Mo, Lonnie Graves decides to go with Michael Vick. You know, I was listening to Matthew Berry the other night, uh, the other morning. On ESPN Radio, and Mike and Mike, and uh, you know Matt, uh, he, he's 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 one of these. Uh, he, he breaks it down. He's actually a pretty good. Uh, he, he's coming around. I think he's listening to the high stakes community. I think he's probably subscribes to BFD now. You know, he kind of re- regurgitates some of what we uh, were, were. So maybe he's, maybe he's up at his game a little bit. I don't know, but he did talk about Michael Vick and the amount, the massive amount of fantasy points he scored and was on pace for. And the funny thing is, Mike. When you look at Michael Vick, what's your what's your number one concern with Mike Vick?
2: Offensive line.
1: Offensive line, getting his ass kicked, knocked on the floor, yep. and missing you games. But the funny thing is, when you break down Michael Vick, if he's in there and he completes a game, he's going to score you a ton of points. So the question is, will your backup – Will your sub quarterback? You've got to add those points in too, Bye. because very like you're you're going to know that Michael Vick is out of the game, and you're going to be able to sub in another quarterback. You've got to take those substitution points and add that into the quarterback position. So if you're worried about injuries, well, maybe you shouldn't be so much, Mike, because you get him when he's in the game, and if he's not, you've got to substitute
2: him. Right, and you know, I I, I don't know. I mean when you're drafting and worrying about injuries, uh, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. You you just pretty much have to draft and just go with that. And, uh, but it's hard because Michael Vick, what I've I've seen out of the Philadelphia Eagles and Michael Vick in the, uh, just a couple preseason games I saw was uh, he was on his back foot the entire time because the offensive line, they just, they couldn't protect him. Now, I don't know if that's a, you know, going to be a trend for them or not?
1: Mike, one thing I find interesting, uh, that offensive line has some major, major issues. Henry is going to have a long season if he doesn't shore that up. They did have a couple of offensive line starters out of that game. Uh, they had a right tackle that's going to be back, and they also had a center that they were trying out. I think they're going to go with the veteran center, kind of get that offensive line stabilized again, and uh, that that will definitely help. Uh, Mike Vick. Well, but it, it's LaShawn McCoy got a lot of receptions. You were talking about carries and Green Bay, you're right. It's a passing team. But look at what Starks did. Five catches for thirty eight yards and just that limited drive uh, series that he's in, six targets. Wow. Uh you gotta you gotta factor in that offense and, and PPR, when you're playing in point per reception leagues, these guys like Ray Rice, LaShawn McCoy, Jamal Charles, uh Arian Foster, Peyton Hillis even, you know, <laughs> Funny enough, these guys are much more valuable. And it's interesting to talk about Peyton Hillis. This is the earliest I've seen him drafted. Now, Darren Armani knows what he's doing. Fantasymojo.com, a uh, good friend of the program, Larry Fitzgerald, Peyton Hillis. Uh, nice combo, but a little early on Hillis, don't you think? Uh, You know what? I'm not so
2: sure because uh, I'll look at who went after Hillis with uh... – Antonio Gates, he could have pulled the trigger on the uh, tight end but uh decided not to. Uh would you would you rather have Peyton Hillis or uh Sean Green? <laughs> I I think he did I think he made the right choice there. He needed a running back.
1: Yeah, well <clears throat> yeah, you got Matt Forte there. That would be another consideration, uh, for sure for me. Frank Gore would be another major consideration for me. Um I'm not a big fan of drafting MJD this year or Steven Jackson. I just don't like these injury situations. Now, again, MJD is declaring himself healthy, but hey, this kid has been a bowling ball for several years, and it takes its toll. It's a lot more than just attitude. Attitude's a big part of it, don't get me wrong, but that style of running definitely takes its toll, and it's going to have a wear on Steven Jackson and MJD and Gore and these guys uh they're gonna have uh they're gonna have a hard time making it through a season. That's why you're seeing the young guy Mendenhall. Look at Mendenhall. That's the earliest I've seen start. Sure. Mendenhall drafted. Our good friend Jeff Gill, Fish uh takes him at the sixth spot and he follows it up with two more running backs, Frank Gore and Felix Jones is off the board. For all of you that thought you were gonna steal Felix Jones somewhere in the fourth, forget about it. He's gone. It's over. You gotta have another pack up land because Felix Jones is gone. What do you think about Felix Jones, Mike? I call him Shady McCoy Light.
2: Uh, I'm not so high on Felix Jones. Uh, I was misspoken there because uh, you were talking about uh, Darren uh, taking uh, Peyton Hillis uh, when there was Frank Gore available. I think I would have taken Frank Gore, but. Uh, Felix Jones, uh, you know, that Dallas Cowboy uh, offense I've been on record saying that they were gonna have a hard time unless they have a running game. Well, um Jeff, here's your chance for some running game. You got uh Richard, Frank Gore, and Felix Jones. Uh so you stockpiling a bunch of uh running backs. I'm not so s I'm not so sure Felix Jones is gonna be the guy. I I, I do believe it's gonna be the rookie. Uh,
1: well that's yet to be seen. Felix Jones is one of these guys. Look, if you if you believe in injuries, um, you don't draft Felix Jones. But what makes Felix Jones any different uh, than a guy like Javid Best? I mean, somebody. both guys have injury concerns and injury risks. So, you know, while we would normally see a Javid Best go around this area somewhere, uh, Fish obviously decides, for me, he says that uh, Felix Jones is a little bit of a, uh, a safer play here. Uh, I don't know what I think yet. I, you know, would, would Felix and Javis make a nice uh, combination? They sure would. It's going to be interesting to see where Javis at, to. after the injury to Mikel Ashore was going, you know, early third, sometimes late second. Uh, it'll be interesting to see after this concussion and him sitting out this Saturday if, if it will affect him to the extent that he's a fourth-round pick now. I think uh,
2: one thing looking at Jeff's team uh, on Fish – uh, with uh, Mendenhall, Gore, and uh, Felix Jones, is he's kind of playing the, look, there's a lot of wide receiver depth. There, I can I can give me a wide receiver uh, coming back, and I'll be fine. And uh, so uh, he's going ahead and saying, look, let me try to grab lightning in a bottle with uh, Felix Jones because I've got two solid ones with uh, Rashard and uh, Frank Gore. So let me go ahead and grab lightning in a bottle. He's my best player on the board. And then the next couple of rounds, I'll grab a couple of wide receivers.
1: Insane value with Greg Jennings falling. Uh, I, I haven't seen him fall uh, that far in a draft. 3-8? Three, 3-8? Eight, three, eight? Greg Jennings, 3-8? Now, is that because you're watching a, a big game and they're spreading it around? I mean, okay, you spread it around a little bit, but... Greg Jennings, you're, you're telling me that there's that many players that are better than Greg Jennings? I think he got a tremendous value there. Richard Oliver, again, uh, showing up big time here with uh, Chris Johnson, Matt Forte, and a Greg Jennings start.
2: Yeah, he had to be surprised when uh, Greg Jennings fell to him because, uh, I, honestly, I can't imagine Dwayne Bow going ahead of Greg Jennings. But, uh, you know, that's what happened. Uh, it, you know, as far as that went, I mean, obviously wayne wayne liked him uh wayne liked dwayne Bowe ahead of Greg jennings and uh so mark ingram mark Ingram is somebody that uh kind of uh he's really moving up the charts and uh k j took him uh you know talk to me about mark ingram
1: well, I think everybody saw the – we knew what we were getting with Mark Ingram going into the draft, and then what we saw, he landed in the best situation possible in the national football league. He ends up on the New Orleans Saints. Do they like to share the ball there? They do. They absolutely do. But they have a lot of red zone uh, opportunities in the New Orleans Saints high-powered offense. Uh, they will split carries with Pierre Thomas. You'll see a little bit of Darren Sproles. You'll see a little bit of everybody that's healthy on that team. But Mark Ingram's definitely got to get an opportunity, and – and so he's another guy that I look at, and I say, you know, what makes him any different than another timeshare running back? You know, there, there's plenty of timeshare running backs in them. That's what the league's made of. And this kid runs with power, aggressiveness, and uh, fits that offense perfectly. So you can't fault Tommy Yates for going Roddy White, Hakeem Nix, and Mark Ingram. Again, he took him over job at best. Uh, he took him over. Have you ever seen Reggie Wayne falls in the fourth round? Reggie sure. Wayne at 4-2. Listen. Darren Armani, get out the net, look at the value, the best at three eleven, Reggie Wayne at four two. If I had that type of draft, first of all, I would have probably been a little scared of Hillis. Yeah. I would have probably taken I would have probably taken Forte, but I would have went Fitz, Forte, Best, and Wayne. That would have been exactly what I would have done. And uh but still, what a what a squad there. Three four turn, best and Reggie Wayne. Yeah. yeah, you know,
2: I I think Darren I think Darren's done great with uh Fitz, uh Hillis. Uh, job at best, you know, we just got to wait and see. Uh, Reggie Wayne getting him right there is a definite steal. Uh, and I noticed that, uh, you know, LeGarrett Blunt, you know, he goes with, uh, who was that, uh, KJ? He, he went ahead and got uh, LeGarrett Blunt.
1: Great pick by LeGarrett Blunt. Here's another guy yeah. that I look at. I'm going to give away all my draft strategy. It doesn't matter. Nobody's listening to me anyway. But Lagarette oh, Blunt's another guy. Blunt's another guy I put right there with Sean Green. I mean, to me, LeGarrett Blunt, LeGarret Blunt has less competition, Mike, than Sean Green does. Sean Green has uh, LT totally McKnight, uh, Bilal Powell. They both both basically have the same offense. They both basically don't catch the ball very much. And LeGarrett Blunt is routinely being drafted a round and a half, uh, you know, later than Sean Green. And so, you know. I think the value that KJ Dutra's got in the fourth round was Legarrett Blunt. He waited till the fourth round to get his starting running back, and he's got yeah. a rock solid piece in the lineup that's going to be very consistent week to week. Uh, unless they come yeah. in with somebody else, well, why would you? Why would you, if you're Tampa, put anybody else in there goal line situations? I mean, Freeman can run one in here and there for sure. I'm sure he'll get, you know, his six, six touchdowns this year. But I like that Garrett Blunt in the fourth round. That's your RB one. I'll take it all day.
2: Absolutely. LeGarrett's getting, uh, he's going to get 25 carries every Sunday. And, uh, furthermore, KJ, he, he can rely on uh, Calvin Johnson and Vincent Jackson, uh, carrying the load there. He's got it. He's got his tight end solidified with, uh, Vernon Davis. Uh, I really like the way this team is setting up.
1: Yeah.
3: Only
2: if he can get another running back, uh, to fall to him, uh, that might fit
1: you got to think that uh, guys like Ryan Matthews are on their way. Guys like Beanie Wells, perhaps, with the injury to Ryan Williams, they're on their way. Um, I look at wide receivers. What, what, what is everybody thinking about Brandon Marshall and Mike Williams? These guys have got to be next around the list. Percy Harvin, Steve Johnson, there's, you know, there's three to four, five wide receivers here that are coming up off the board. I, it is very – it's a very strange year when you see guys like Brandon Marshall uh, being drafted late in the fourth round. I mean, look, Brandon Lloyd was taken before Wes Welker and Brandon Marshall. Um, so ba- Look at Mario Manningham. We we even missed this pick. Look at, Let's yeah. talk about yeah. Mike Bronte, Big F and Dynasty show with Mario Manningham, who has been skyrocketing up draft boards in the last couple of weeks here. Uh, well, let's face it. He outperformed Hakeem Nix on a game-to-game basis there for a while. Uh, Nix is obviously a monster and a beast. But Manningham in that offense, uh, Steve Smith's gone. Uh, who's the number three there? Probably Tom McHickson, maybe Victor Cruz, something like that. You've, pretty, you've lost Kevin Boss. You've got a better receiving tight now. But Mario Manningham uh, drafted at 4-1 earliest I've seen, so kudos to Michael Bronte for having the guts to go get his guy, declare him the number one wide receiver for his squad when he could have had many bigger names to do. I hope Michael finds a way to pop on the show and talk about Manningham.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, he could have had uh, Reggie Wayne, Brandon Lloyd, Wes Welker, uh Brandon Marshall, Brandon Lloyd, uh Brandon Marshall just went and you know, he could have had a lot of them, but uh obviously he wanted uh somebody that could be a uh, <clears throat> excuse me, number 1 uh in uh in the Giants offense. Uh put that together with uh Darren McFadden and NoSean and uh Antonio Gates. So not bad. Not not bad, Sharper, Michael. I really like it. I really like his team.
1: Manningham had certainly has a knack for the end zone with nine touchdowns last year, close to 1,000 yards, several hundred yard games to end the season. It looked like it was just Cake City for him uh, late in the year there. He really became one of Eli's favorite targets a little bit due to injury. Hakeem Nix was a little banged up there. Steve Smith was obviously out, so things were a little bit in transition. It'll be interesting to see if Manningham can back it up and have that next take that next leap because he's being drafted ahead of guys like Wayne Welker Marshall and Mike Williams I mean it's going to be tough let's talk about Billy Waz's pick here uh, Adrian Peterson who's arguably been the most consistent safe running back you could take in the league the last five years he's, a, uh, he's been a top five running back ever since he's been in the league Adrian Peterson at four uh, I think he had to consider that a little bit of a gift with Sean McCoy we'll talk about Fierce's pick with McCoy here in a minute Adrian Peterson, Mike Wallace, who, who a lot of people are liking, they want to see him take that next step. Uh, with Heinz Ward kind of aging and Ben Roethlisberger opening things up, what a cakewalk schedule they have this year. Dallas Clark in the third, and Mike Williams in the fourth. So he he's got his two wideouts, one running back, and a tight end, and he's got elite players at all positions. We all do at this point. Every team, li- everybody likes their team so far. It's not where – you don't win or lose the draft, really, in these rounds unless you have an injury. But it's these next five through eight rounds is where we're really going to start to see teams shake up. But I, I definitely like what I see from Billy Wass.
2: Yeah, I do, too. Uh, I like the way he's just uh, diversifying, so to speak, uh, you know, with the r- running back and the uh, two wide receivers and Dallas Clark. He don't have to worry about a tight end until, you know, deep, deep rounds. Uh, he's going to be uh, – Thinking about running back here pretty soon uh, and maybe quarterback a little bit later. But uh, his next pick will probably be a running back, and I don't know who's going to be left available. I noticed that uh, Fierce, uh with uh, Jeff, Jeff went ahead and uh, took Ryan Matthews, which in my opinion is a little bit of a surprise. But he's not bad. I mean, that's going to shore up uh, Michael Turner or Sean McCoy. But he needs wide receivers bad.
1: We look at Fierce's team. He drafted out of the three-hole. Jeff Schmitz, another good friend of the program, LaShawn McCoy, Michael Turner, Jason Witten, and Ryan Matthews. He's basically foregone the wide receiver position as well. Interesting to go for the home run pick there on Ryan Matthews when you could have had other wide receivers that would have really made you feel pretty good about your team. I mean, Percy Harvin, uh, maybe Jeremy Macklin, Deshaun Jackson, those guys were all still there. But he wants the value in Ryan Matthews, and I don't blame him. Uh, My good friend Wayne Ellis brought up a statistic uh, recently that uh, looked at points per touch inside the 20, and Ryan Matthews was number one overall. Number two was like Mike Culver. What does that tell you? They really have things figured out in the red zone there, that offensive line, the offensive game planning. The running backs for San Diego definitely have a good thing going. So I can't fault you for taking your third running back in a league that allows you to do so when you can draft right. four running backs, the question is, though, at what point does your wide receiver position degrade so much? He better have some solid picks here because if Nimrod hits him with a wide receiver here, he's going to be, you know, in a, in, a, in a situation where he better be, feel really strong about a wide receiver. Like I said, it's, it's got to be somebody maybe maybe he's not worried about Marquez Colston or, or maybe he's okay with Santonio San Holmes who – Guess what? You know what? If I'm him, I'm probably going to take San Antonio Holmes. That's the guy I probably feel the safest about. Rex, uh, Mark Sanchez in his third year. San Antonio Holmes is definitely the number one wide receiver on that team. Plaxico's getting up there in age. You doubt that he'll be able to make it a full season which really is a reason why I like Dustin Keller. can't wait to see if anybody believes in Dustin Keller a little bit more than they have. He's been an undervalued tight end in my mind, but I think Fierce would be set up really nicely here with Antonio Holmes. And Quan was a name yeah, exactly. that would have been a nice wide receiver one.
2: It's been funny because since we've been talking about him, uh, after his uh, Ryan Matthews pick, four wide receivers went off the board. Stevie Johnson, Deshaun Johnson, Des Bryant, and Quan Bowden. So, He's probably thinking, I've got to get a wide receiver right here, or maybe he might just say to heck with it and uh, go in a different direction. Uh, I'm kind of anxious to see where he goes, and he did. He went in a different direction with a quarterback, Drew Brees.
1: All right, let's take a look from top to bottom. Let's go down this draft. Big Mo, Lonnie Graves. We talked about the number one pick, and if you have the number one pick, what are you going to do with it? Well, obviously it's going to be a stud running back there and Arian Foster, Ray Rice, one of those guys that you feel good about. He decides to go Mike Vick and Miles Austin and then comes back with Deshaun Jackson and Dez Bryant. He's three wide receiver wide right now, taking the flyers, going for the ultimate upside in Dez Bryant. And, uh, Mike, you don't have a running back. You have one running back. I know what this team looks like after round, you know, at six, seven. I tell you, you don't feel great about your RB2 spot. You just don't. I've tried it several times going three wide here, and I never feel real great about that RB spot. So let's see what Lonnie – let's see if maybe the value of running back has shifted a little bit. Maybe you can get a guy like a Mike Tolbert or something that, uh, you know know what, doesn't disappoint you this year.
2: You know, I don't feel good about it either, and uh, I don't feel good about having the same receiver uh, or two receivers on the same team.
1: That I don't mind. That I don't mind. If you remember our good friend Alex Kaganowski, who will be with us later tonight, he was basically the pioneer of the wide receiver handcuff strategy. I saw this guy for years playing it back in the Ant Sports League, the 1K Ant Sports League. He would take Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison and be dominant. He would take Larry Fitzgerald and Antoine Bolden and be dominant. Now, there's no reason to think, Mike, you're, you're a Cowboy fan, so you talk to me and you tell us. But with Tony Romo back, with that offense in check, You've got the, the three powerful weapons there with Witten, Austin, and Des Bryant. Uh, I wouldn't want to face Des Bryant and Miles Austin any game because if there is any downside to one of those receivers, it probably means there's a little bit of upside that week to the other. Yeah, but, what, I mean,
2: if you're, if you're going to start both of them, then chances are you're going to have a bad week out of one of them.
1: So I'm so remote. It's not right. true. Statistically, you'll see plenty. If you want to go back, I'll research it for you and show you the charts. I plenty love of time. It, man. Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison, both 20-point players. Anquan Bolden, the fifth, 20 and 20-25. If you feel like the combination is there, and there's not a lot of teams you can do this with, Mike, okay? You're right about that. I mean, Wes Milker, Welker, Randy Moss, those days you could do it. Um, you could do it with uh, back in the day in the Green Bay uh, Driver and Jennings And that type of stuff But now There's only a couple of teams That you can do it with This year And one of them Is definitely The Dallas Cowboys So Yeah You know I know they can I,
2: I know they can Spread it around A little bit But uh, I just I don't know I mean I have to watch And I have to track Week by week uh, What Miles Austin And Des Bryant Do On a week to week basis But yeah. I just I just cannot believe That both of them will thrive on a week-to-week basis in a fantasy team.
1: Oh, well, absolutely they do, Mike. And here's the thing you got to look for. you got to have a 4,000-yard quarterback. You get a 4,000-yard quarterback, you can make that work. You can't pull this off, Mike, with somebody, uh, you know, like in Miami. You can't pull it off no matter how good the talent is. The offensive system has a lot to do with it. 4,000 yards right. you're going to get from Tony Romo. You're going to get 4,000 yards from Eli Manning. You're going to get 4,000 I- yards if Peyton Manning is healthy, you're going to get it. So sure, sure,
2: sure. And how do you get four thousand? But but the question I have is, how do you get four thousand yards passing? Uh, you have to have some semblance of a running game. It's, it's something we talked about uh, shoot a month month and a half ago on the show. Is Felix Jones going to give you the protection?
1: Yeah. Well, well, we'll have we'll have to see if Romo holds up. You know, Fierce is kind of taking a little bit of a beating in the chat room. You guys that are in the uh, big payback draft, feel free to call in, comment on your picks. I'll tell you what they're saying, but they're basically saying Fierce, you're dead in the water, buddy. Now, the funny thing is, I don't think he's dead in the water. I've seen this guy draft before. He's definitely got, uh, he's he's definitely looking for some value plays in the fifth and sixth, probably at wide receiver. Maybe he's high on Austin Collie. Maybe he falls. Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, he's okay with uh, Jordy Nelson or Lance Moore or these guys, Santana off guys that you might not want to anchor your team, but maybe he's high on them and feels like they can hold the fort down. So you can't you can't fault the draft until you see it unfold, which we've seen the one pick. We've talked about Lonnie Graves. We're going to move on to the two pick. We've got Kip Lockwood, uh, a board member of the Fantasy Players Association. Let's take a look at his draft real quick, Mike. Uh, and why don't you break it down for us?
2: Uh, yeah, uh, <clears throat> Ray Rice. Uh, obviously, uh, Kip Lockwood uh, took Ray Rice, which is a guy that I'm really high on. Uh, then he come around with JerMichael Finley, one of the short tight end, not bad. Sean Green, I'm 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 still not sold on Sean Green until uh, I see, you know, LT kind of fading into the sunset. Uh, but then he come back with uh, Stevie Johnson and Anquan Bowden. Those are two uh, viable wide receivers in two offenses that uh, they're not pass-happy, but when they are uh they're going to get you a lot of fantasy points. But uh, Ray Rice is going to be a gold mine uh, for Kip.
1: I really like what Kip has done here. He's played a very fast – he didn't get his wide receivers until the fourth round, and look what he got, fantasy gold. Steve Johnson yeah. and Anquan Bolden, both of those guys – I have a very gut, good gut feeling that those are going to be top ten wide receivers, and look where he got them: 18, and twenty-one. Steve Johnson was wide receiver eighteen, and Quan Bolden twenty-one. And I look at both those guys and say they're top ten guys. Those guys are top ten guys in those offenses this year. They're the they're the show. They're the. I mean, Buffalo's going to be behind in a lot of games. Uh, Flacco's getting more comfortable with Bolden. Uh, I can see both of those guys being top ten. He waited till the fourth and fifth to do it. Very interesting to see this strategy because I've been thinking about a very running back-heavy strategy going in as well. And I love Jermichael Finley at the, at the two eleven pick. I think that's still – he's still the same beast mode Finley that we saw last year being drafted, you know, at the one-two uh, turn last year. Uh, injuries aside, so – Let's move on. Uh, we, we've already broke down Jeff Smith. He did not go wide receiver. He decided to go Drew Brees. So, again, we're going to be watching that close, very closely in the 6-7 to see when he shores that wide receiver position up. It'll be interesting to see if any of these guys try to snark him in front of him because they know he's got to get one, but it doesn't look like that will happen. Let's look at Billy Wallace for a second. We already broke down the, the, the Adrian Peterson, Wallace, Dallas Clark, Mike Williams start. He lands Antonio Holmes at 5-4, which, again, Look at the wide receiver depth this year. How can you get Santonio Holmes in the fifth round? Uh, the wide receiver depth is absolutely incredible, Mike. I don't know what's going on with with you know, him this year, but you've got to look at it and say, I can go for the gold. Maybe, maybe yeah. you can go and get tight in early because you know that you can get wide receivers later.
2: You know, that's what I was uh, kind of talking about a little bit earlier, Scott, is because there are so many wide receivers out there. I mean, you know, Percy Harvin just went, but uh, you know, there are so many wide receivers out there that, you know, everybody's thinking, I've, I've got to get gold in my first uh, four or five rounds. Uh, I'm taking a look at Darren Amani real quick. I'm looking at his team, and, uh, you know, he goes wide receiver, and then running back, running back, wide receiver, and then wide receiver again. So he's waiting on a quarterback and a tight end. Uh, you know, it's kind of the oxymoron of what I'm what i'm what i'm talking about because there are a ton of wide receivers out there uh speaking of darren and uh uh, he took uh tim hightower this player is i mean he is going up the ranking so quickly in uh, washington obviously because mike sanahan likes him and uh you know it's just amazing what Tim Hightower has been, uh, how he's been going up the ranking. How can Tim Hightower be drafted above, say, a Joseph guy who just went?
1: It's going to be very interesting to see this uh, this draft unfold here tonight, Mike. 347-324-5404 is the number. I don't know what to say. I, I know that Big Mo is sitting there saying, I can't believe these running backs are going. Here's a dive, Benson, Tolbert, Hightower, Bush, maybe guys that he would have loved to have had at the six-seven turn, but he's not going to get them. You, you take these risks, and you hope to think that you're not going to get burned uh, without a running back, uh, you know, uh, there. So we'll see what happens. It's not the end of the day here for, for Big Mo, because he's got one heck of a lineup that he's trotting out there. He's going to scare the pants off of a lot of teams. But let's keep going down this uh line up here. I also want to go ahead and bring on our special guest of the evening. Um do I have my music? I don't think I do. I, I used to have um I used to have a special uh a special intro here, but uh, I'm gonna go ahead and give you one of Kaganovsky, the co-founder of the Fantasy Football Players Championship, buddy. What's going on, man?
4: Gentlemen, how are you tonight?
2: What's up, Alex?
4: Pretty good, Mike. Are you criticizing my draft strategies again, Michael?
1: Not
2: again. I wouldn't do that. (laughs) It's all right.
1: Well, we did bring that up, Alex. Wade, good to have you uh, aboard. We're really enjoying This is the biggest draft of the year for us here at Red vs. Blue, $500 Big Payback Satellite Draft. The winner of this event, Alex, goes on to Caesars Palace next year and wins a seat at the Big Payback, the 5K Big Payback Draft. Everybody at the table paid $5,000 to sit down at this table, the big big rollers. And uh, you can come in here, win this $500 satellite, I know you offer a cash option, but I can't see any high stakes player in their mind not taking the seat at the at Caesar's Palace. I know I, I don't I don't know which way if you even care, but I as a fantasy player, I don't see how you could not take the seat at the big payback draft in Vegas.
4: That's right, Scott. And you and I discussed this. I think the way you have to, you know, because when you win uh, this league, you do have a cash option, and the cash option, you know, is still pretty significant. Uh, so, but I think the way you have to do it is you have to go into uh, this this league. When you pay that $500 entry, you say to yourself, you know what, I'm not going to win a cash option. I'm winning that seat. So, you know, you, you're basically promising to yourself. And, you know, I understand sometimes you have financial needs and stuff like that that, that come up later on in the, in the year. But you have to say to yourself, you know, if I'm winning this league, I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to sit at that $5,000 table. And, and try to parlay my five hundred into uh into another thirty grand.
1: Oh, that's that's what it's all about, man. And Mike, I know you're talking about uh you're getting excited for your Kentucky draft this weekend. Um wh- when you talk about this league, Alex, this is this is the uh this is like the tuner, the primer, the tune up draft for these FFPC contests. I know we've got the FPC contest going as well. Uh, that help us with that ADP. But this thing right here is a little bit different because the caliber of competition is so high. Uh, the names that I see on here, big-time players, KJ Duke, Tommy Yates, uh, Fish, Big Mo, Billy Waz. I mean, these guys, Invictus and, and, and Darren, the list goes on and on. These guys aren't uh, – they're here to win. And so you're not looking – you're not seeing a lot of bad drafting strategies, which is what I like to see. I like to see good, sound draft strategies taking place. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it was, you know, these um uh
4: the big payback satellites ever since we introduced them a couple years back, they've always attracted the the uh the big hitters, so to speak. Um and and it's good to see because uh and plus it's good to see that these guys aren't afraid to uh let their drafts uh be uh, commented on by you, by you and Mike. So uh yeah, these things are always a lot of fun. And I think you know, you you got a lot of people watching tonight to see uh how these drafts develop.
2: Yeah, no question, Alex, and, uh, you know, it's a lot of fun. The most fun I've had uh, with these shows with Scott is uh, watching these drafts and uh, how they unfold and things like that. I wanted to uh, make a comment as far as the uh, FFPC and the money back in. Uh, I remember uh, last uh, last year I won a a 77, and my first inkling was to take it out. I said, no, I'm going to keep it in. And uh, so I went ahead and uh, left the money in there uh, to play a, uh, you know, a, it was a playoff, uh, playoff season type deal. And that's a lot of fun. So any of your players that are, are part of the FFPC that want to do that, you know, that's the way to do it. I mean, like like Alex said, if you're in a cash crunch, go ahead and take it. But uh, if not, it's kind of money in the bank. It's kind of it's fun to have uh, – kind of have – Fun to have that money in the bank and to
1: play in future events. Well, uh, we are we are live on Red versus Blue. This is the big payback satellite draft. We're in, we're nearing the end of the sixth round. Here is the, the point of decision, Alex. I know you've been watching this draft, and I've talked about the one pick probably more, a little more than I should because I own the the one pick in your contest coming up Friday night, two weeks from now. And I I was interested to see what Lonnie was able to do here. And he's in a a situation where the running back value didn't fall like maybe he hoped it would. I'd like to get Lonnie on tonight to talk about it. The running backs that he has available right now are um, Fred Jackson maybe, James Starks, John from Stewart, Pierre Thomas, Ryan Grant. So maybe maybe he's got enough here to pull himself out of this and and make it uh, look good because the top five players are very dangerous. What do you think about his strategy so far? Um,
4: Well, I I have no problem personally um, with, uh, and I don't play obviously this format, so uh, take it for what it's worth. But when I have played in the other format, uh, I have no problem if I am going to start with a stud running back uh, to, um, I'm sorry, I just have to uh I have no problem to wait until later rounds to uh pick my second uh running back and then strengthen my other positions. Um so I like what he's doing there. I even don't mind particularly the Michael Vick pick uh because of where uh where he got him. Uh and you know, here he got Ryan Grant, you know, who, you know, uh, obviously he could be pretty solid. So, uh, I don't mind the strategy whatsoever. Uh, the three wide receivers you know you could kind of debate uh those names uh whether you particularly like them or not um but um uh i think the strategy itself is a solid one i would subscribe to that all day long
1: mike did comment on your wide receiver combo strategy and uh, i i brought it up to him that uh, i'd seen you do it on multiple occasions and and he does take miles austin and des bryant uh to go along and have that dominant type of uh of Tandem there with a with a four thousand yard quarterback. Talk about your your success of that type of approach and and you know the the common thought there from Mike was that you know if you have one guy that's having a great week, very likely the other one is not. That's a misconception, right?
4: Well, that, I, that's the whole point actually. Um, when it, I I started the first time I I uh, tried that strategy on a national level was in two thousand and six, uh, where I had the one pick. And I said to myself, I, I was starting the, the that was the the big um, LT year, where you know he went insane. Uh, and I said to myself, if I could get Wayne and Harrison at the end of the second third round uh, at the at the second turn, I'm going to take them both. And and um, I remember doing the crunching the numbers, and I said, you know, these guys are probably good for 500 points together combined. Now I don't care if they if one guy goes off for of 25 and the other guy scores 10. And the next week, the other guy goes off for twenty-five, and the other one scores ten. I knew that over the course of the year, these guys are going to score a ton of points. So, and I did. I happened to um, to draft both of them, and I that was the year where I believe they scored five hundred and fifty points. So okay. I projected them pretty well, and then having LT, and then having a couple other players, I finished sixth overall that year. Um, you know, in the in the big. Uh, in in the big okay. contest that we that shall remain nameless um but uh and after that i realized that you know there are certain situations where certain teams where you can uh where you can um use that strategy very effectively uh and by the way it doesn't i mean you know it probably you know somebody could be here listening to me now and say oh yeah duh marvin harrison and reggie Wayne. uh you know but the the fact of the matter is there there are other teams that you could have used that strategy with and over the years I mean Scott and I have talked I think a few years back about a couple of years back about doing that with Nixon Smith, uh Scott. And um I've um I've often uh I've certainly uh the Arizona wide receivers, if you would have done that with them, uh even uh using up the early using the early draft picks, uh to lock those two up. Um so it it's really successful uh Where you're you're really what you're doing is you're you're locking up those points on a weekly basis, and if you're going to do it with, you know, I don't know, a team like the Cleveland wide receivers, or if you're going to do it with the uh, Buffalo wide receivers, or if you're going to do it with, uh, I don't know, even the Green Bay wide receivers, you know, you're not going to come out on top there. I mean, you're not going to be successful there. You have to, uh, you you, you know, or San Francisco, God forbid, wide receivers, or something like that. You know that that's not gonna work for you, but you know there are specific examples and if you could identify them, you're gonna be very successful and especially if you're able to draft those guys for uh even a little bit of value, maybe one guy in the third round and another guy in the seventh or eighth, then you could really uh have something special there
2: well alex i you know i gotta put you uh i gotta put you on the spot here um since that year that you had uh, Wayne and Harrison, have you ever done it again and and if you have, was it that, uh, you know, was it that good? And if you haven't, uh, just uh, talk about that. I do it every year.
4: As a matter of fact, if I don't, I try to do it uh, every year, and I try to do it not just with wide receivers. I try to do it with a wide receiver and a tight end. Uh, often I'll I'll, I'll do, uh, I'll try to do it maybe with a running back and a, wide, and a tight end. Uh, for example, a Gore and a Vernon Davis would have been a perfect example. Uh, Because basically, uh, those are the two guys that were going to score touchdowns for you over the last three years. So you know, if you got those two guys on your team, you know, granted, obviously draft uh, draft you know the where you were drafting from was important, of course. But uh, that's a perfect example where you basically knew that if (laughs) that team was going to score a touchdown, you were going to get that touchdown. And besides the touchdown, you were going to get a whole bunch of yards and uh, and uh, and receptions. So. Uh, I have done it I have done it um very successfully uh over the course of years frankly I, I don't remember uh which combination I had last year uh, I have to think but uh, but I'm pretty sure I did it every year. Uh
1: it's funny to uh to take a look at this graph and and to see guys uh you know we saw Reggie Wayne fall to the fourth we now see Garcon fall into the sixth Dallas Clark didn't seem to be too affected at taking a 3-4, but now Colley is still on the board in the late seventh round, and Peyton Manning, Alex, at what point do you look at your draft and say, it's worth a shot, let me get Peyton, uh, I'll hang on to him, he'll definitely be back, he won't be out all year, and I'll, uh, at what point do you take Peyton Manning here? Isn't it a little too far already?
4: Uh, that's a good question. Um you know it's it's tough to uh put your finger on that situation i think that it's 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 almost uh it's a little bit early but at the same time if you hit you know it's a little bit early to to uh to spend a draft pick on a guy who not, might not play for a couple of games uh especially at the quarterback position but then at the same time you could always get a quarterback later on who's going to start those two games for you and probably be you know productive Uh, and then you could get uh, basically a top three, top four quarterback for the rest of the year. So, yeah, I think I I would do it. Um, It it would depend on the rest of my roster. I think where are we now? In the seventh round, I think if I was really comfortable with the depth, if I maybe had, uh, let's say, 2-3-1, meaning two running backs, three wide receivers, and a tight end, or maybe 3-2-1, I would probably pull the trigger. If I was a little bit uh, thin in either of those uh, positions, I probably would not uh would not go for it. But by the way, speaking of Peyton Manning and Mike, here's to answer your question, two years ago I drafted um I drafted Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark, and once I had those two guys, I drafted Joseph Adai. And uh those are my th- the core of my starting lineup um and my um on my main event team of the contest that shall remain un- uh, nameless. And I, I believe I finished Eight overall that wow. year in the regular
2: season. Wayne Clark and a Correct. Okay. Well, I you know I just I, you, sometimes Alex I, I still have a problem with uh, doing the same thing with the same uh, you know teammates and this and that because I feel like that they're pulling points away. But uh, that's, uh, that's, good, uh, that's a that's good that's good recipe that says they're not pulling points away. Uh, no, actually, they were not pulling points away. They were averaging about,
4: I believe, 50. I think it was about 50 a week they were averaging between the three of them. Well, so, uh, you know, do the math. Yeah, know, it's that's about great. 18, 18, 18, 18, and, and 14. Uh, is that I don't think that's, you know, that's not really too bad from a uh, wide receiver on your number three running back and your number one tight end. So. In a one in a one PPR format, by the way, not a one and a half.
2: Wow, that's uh, you know that's good knowledge. That's good for everybody. I, you know, I'm still kind of a rookie sometimes when it comes to this, but uh, you know that that's great to know. And uh, I'm gonna uh, I might apply it come Sunday. All right, glad glad I could help.
1: Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. This is the big payback satellite draft. Most of the guys that are drafting right now will not be calling into the program because they are sitting here there with their draft board, crossing off their players and hoping that their guy falls to them. We finally see Tony Romo fall in the eighth round, guys. This is what I'm talking about. Why would you ever spend a pick, Alex, on a quarterback when you can get a Tony Romo or maybe even an Eli Manning later in the 10th or something? Look at some value you get on quarterbacks if you just show some patience. I mean, isn't that what most of us do these days?
4: Yeah, but you know what it is? If everyone shows patience, then you're going to have Aaron Rodgers in the fifth round. You see? <laughs> so so somebody, somebody's got to, uh, you know, draft those other guys early, right, <laughs> in order for Tony Romo to make it down to the eighth. But, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Tony Romo in the eighth versus Aaron Rodgers in the third, you know, obviously, you know, you can make a case that Tony Romo could be, you know, within maybe uh, within a point or a point and a half or two points uh, per game average of, of Aaron Rodgers, if not basically be neck and neck, right? So, um, you know, it's definitely a great value pick for sure.
1: Let's talk about a couple of head scratchers in this draft. Uh, we just have to go turn your head to the right, and you'll see Invictus, Michael Bronte, on the twelve hole here. And he... He's always been a guy to go kind of a dance to the beat of his own drum, right? I mean, you listen to the show every Tuesday night. Great, great show if you're a Dynasty player like me. And we really enjoy what John and uh, Michael do on the Big F Dynasty show for BFD. But he takes risk with Moreno. When I say risk, I mean there. it seems like, and I've, been, I've said it for weeks, that everybody's down on Moreno. Fantasy Nation is down on Moreno, but it doesn't appear that John Fox is. And then Mario Manningham, and I know you're a New York guy, Alex, so Mario Manningham at 4-1 maybe doesn't surprise you as much, but it surprises me when you see proven guys out there like Welker have done it for years, Marshall has done it for years, uh, and Bolden. I mean, these guys have been just perennial guys that you can count on every year. We've seen Manningham do it one year, and, you know, who's to say that he does it again? I'm not but four one, it just seems a little bit early. So he takes a couple of picks there. What do you think about that three four turn, Alex?
4: Well, you, you're going to force me to comment on uh, on my customers and, on the way they draft, aren't you? <laughs> well, no.
1: How about, how about just tell, how about talk about Mario Manningham? You're a Giants fan, so you have all the rights in the world to talk about Manningham.
4: Yeah, I, I don't mind. I think the guys will forgive me if I if I give a little critique, especially constructive critique about their draft. Um uh, I think what uh what Michael did in the first five rounds, uh I have absolutely no problem with, even um not just from a strategy perspective, but from a player perspective. I don't mind any of those picks. Uh even Nacho Marino, uh I don't mind terribly. Uh, I may have personally drafted another running back there that, that went uh after um after afterwards but uh and Manningham, you know, I mean listen, uh <laughs> There's absolutely no reason in the world to uh to think that Mary Manningham can't have you know at least let's say eighty eighty percent of the production that uh Steve Smith has been um has been averaging over the last couple of years two three years uh I and of uh,
1: that barring
4: barring injury uh, <clears throat> frankly with Manningham the problem with him is if you watch him over the last few years he he's he's a very very rough i mean you know unpolished wide receiver he has all the skills in the world. i mean the guy's really fast and quick and and uh uh just a, a very very elusive guy uh small kind of small guy but didn't really run well good good routes you know he would run out of bounds you know just just really not being in the right place at the right time and I, and i think those are things that uh over the you know as uh, as your career uh goes on in the NFL I think those are those 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 are things that wide receivers could really work on and could really improve and and here's what I like to do I don't like to I don't want to be a scout a scout and you know this I tell you this all the time I'm not a scout I don't pretend to be a scout I don't want to be a scout what I like to do is I like to listen to the coaches so if 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 um Tom Coughlin who is a big wide receiver guy. I mean, he, you know, remember McCarrell and Steve Smith, as as Lou Tranquilli always likes to refer to. Um, You know, Tom Coughlin uh, is, you know, he produces really great wide receiver uh, receiver points. So there's absolutely no reason to think that Marion Manningham, uh, that he doesn't trust Marion Manningham to really be productive and to be a borderline number one wide receiver uh, or, you know, possibly even a solid number one. You know, uh, depending on what, what what's going on, but oh, uh, you know how the production breaks down there. So uh, I really don't have a problem with that. And Macklin, uh, as far as uh, the fifth pick here, I mean, you know, you know, obviously the only reason why he's here is because he's he hasn't played and because he's a little bit, uh, I guess, rusty and possibly, you know, possibly a little bit, uh, you know, under the weather there. But there's no reason why he can't be. Uh, He can't be um, himself uh, by week two or week three. So I really love what what he did the first five picks. I'm I'm not too crazy about the Mike Tolbert and the Julia Jones pick. That I will be honest with you.
1: Peyton Manning finally goes to uh, our good friend Fish in the eighth round. Let's take a look at what Fish has done here. starts off with a running back trio. Again, the FFPC format that you guys designed. You, Dave Gerzak, Lou Tranquilli, several years ago sat down and ironed it out. It uh, allows you the flexibility to basically take the best player on the board, uh, regardless of position, to a certain extent. Uh, especially when you're in the middle of the draft, you don't have that far of a far to go where you're just going to get your list decimated. Uh, Mendenhall, Gore, Felix Jones, he starts the draft with three running backs. Well, what does he end up with a wide receiver? He ends up with Welker and Garcon. Okay, I can live with that. He also ends up with Daniels and Mercedes Lewis. He takes two tight ends. Alex, the tight end position is one that uh, – it's kind of branded with the FFPC. It's associated. You say FFPC, you think tight end. One and a half points per catch is it's unique, but it also gives you flexibility to do a lot of things in the draft, including taking two tight ends in the first seven rounds, first six rounds. What do you think about that? You're not a big, you don't play in this contest because you're not allowed to.
0: Uh,
1: I think that's unfair. But you, do you, would you ever consider a scenario where you take two tight ends when you've got uh, this running back and wide receiver value?
4: Um, I think I may have mentioned before on your show that I I'm a big proponent of taking two tight ends in any format, um, and they don't have I don't usually take them as early as they go here in the FFPC format, but I am uh, I I usually if I take a let's say um you know a Dallas Clark or or a or a Finley uh, for example last year I took a Finley in the third round. And I backed them up with a Cooley in a 10th. And and I do that for for a reason. I mean, that's not an accident. I do that because I like to ensure uh, my uh, investment. When I invest a high pick on a tight end, uh, I like to back him up with someone who I could easily insert in the lineup and get, you know, pretty good production, which is exactly what happened last year with Finley. And, and then Cooley, you know, was able to uh, – to, uh, you know, to kind of keep my uh, keep the points going from that position. But here it's a little bit different because here the guys are doing it because they want to get points from the number two tight end. They they, could, they want to put them in the starting lineup. I, as far as what Fish does here, I absolutely love this draft. I think this draft is awesome from a perspective of uh, the way he built this team and just the players as well. Uh, Mendenhall, Gore, and Felix Jones, I think. And then getting Welker, as you know, were we'll one in the middle of the fourth round. Owen Daniels I love this year and Pierre Garcon in the sixth. You know, I I frankly I don't know, you know, uh Pierre Garcon I he could go either way, but I I like him. Uh and Mercedes Lewis, you know, could be the number one target in Jacksonville. So and then getting paid Manning in the eighth round, like you said, I mean that's just insane. So now, you know, he could just wait until whenever he could wait until the twelfth, thirteenth round and uh You know, maybe walk away with a Bradford or somebody like that, and there's a starter the first two weeks. You know, I see absolutely no flaw in this draft strategy whatsoever here.
1: We're we're sitting here in the ninth round. We're talking to Alex Kaganovsky, co-founder of the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Mike, uh, the big blue co-host, is with me tonight as well. And we're looking in the ninth round of this big payback satellite draft. And if you haven't taken a tight end yet, you've got to look at your options here. It's funny that Big Mo decided to, again, pass on tight end. He's going to wait till the 10th round to grab one. But there's only three teams that have not taken a tight end. And you've got to think that these guys are going to have to pull the trigger so that they don't get completely neglected uh, at the position, pound for pound. Wayne Ferguson and recovery boys, Tommy Yates, both waiting on a tight end. Uh, the guys that are out there, Gronkowski, Cooley, Zach Miller, Gresham, Hernandez, Keller, Cook, Olson, Alex, I'm looking at the tight end position, and it's deeper than it's ever been. So again, is this another situation where the depth is everywhere but running back this year? It seems like I can get quarterbacks late, I can get wide receivers late, and I can get these tight ends late. So are we seeing now the high-stakes guys kind of figuring this out and saying, you know what, running backs are going to go quick in the FFPC. You better get them while they're hot. And that's why we saw so many running backs go in this draft in the first three rounds.
4: Well, a couple of points. Uh, I think two years ago when Don Metter, uh won the 2009 FFPC championship, I believe his tight end was – well, let's put it this way: I can't remember who he was, but the reason why I can't remember is because it was really insignificant. I think that was the year where he had Owen Daniels, uh, who was the number one tight end, who he lost in like week eight or whatever it is that he tore his ACL, and he uh, uh, the rest of the but he year just he Heath
3: just Miller or something. Yeah.
4: yeah, yeah, it was just it was just an absolute. I mean, it wasn't even the guy who he had wasn't even close to being a. Uh, a uh, top uh, 12. I mean, he was nowhere near uh, being a starter uh, from a fantasy perspective. And the guy won the whole thing. So that's point number one. I think people, uh, the players, the FFC players know there's different ways to skin a cat. So, and, yeah, as far as this year, I mean, you know, you could probably, hey, I'm not going to mention names, uh, Of and you did run them off of who's available. Uh, but I think there's probably about, you know, three or four of those that – um uh I would say players think think have a chance to break into the top ten. Uh and a legitimate chance. And and I may actually agree with them. So I think maybe that's what they're counting on is uh is uh some um uh you know, sleepers uh sleeper tight end this year that like you said it's a it is a deep tight end uh position uh that could uh, break out. So we'll see. You know, if and, and in the meantime if they're wrong, I mean they're still strengthening the rest of their roster so you know, I don't think they're totally uh taking themselves out, even if they don't really pan out with that tight end uh pick.
2: Hey Scott and Alex, I've been uh I've been watching uh Tommy Yates, his team of uh, recovery boys. And you know, I'm just wondering in that uh in that seventh round pick when he took uh Braylon Edwards, if right now he's not kicking himself for not taking Tony Romo. Uh he takes uh Tony Romo and then comes around with either uh, Braylon Edwards or uh, Mike Sims walker I mean, from top to bottom, he looks pretty good uh, with Roddy White and Hakeem Nix, and then he falls in with uh, Ingram, Mamad, Bradshaw, uh, Reggie Bush in Miami, and Sacred Benson, who can do some things there. Uh, you know, it just kind of – I'm looking at this team now, and now he's in a situation where he's lost Romo, he's lost Shaw, He's lost Matt Ryan, he's lost Matthew Stafford. So now uh Tom whoa, is pretty much going, Well, what the heck do I do now?
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mike Mike trash tease for cheese, you cannot be trash talking Tommy Yates, my boy Tommy Yates. You have no play You have no play. I've got, him,
2: got to. Man. I I mean, I don't understand taking Braylon Edwards ahead of Tony Tony Romo.
1: Hey, it's not for you to question my man. That's Tommy Yates. You better bow to the altar. That's recovery boys, man. Come on, you Well, you not, um, uh, You can't just jump in the ring and box with Ali. You got to
2: You got You
1: got to You got to <laughs> no, no,
2: no. I'm jumping in the ring and I'm going to box with Tommy because I don't understand that pick. Yeah, All Mike
1: right, he, Mike's
4: Mike is shadow boxing. That's what he's doing.
1: <laughs> don't be surprised if Tommy calls us up here tonight to give you a little uh little lift service here. He's got a pick coming up. And, you know, the funny thing is, again, quarterbacks late. Look at the ninth round. Matt Schaub, another guy that you could probably count on. It's not the same offense where, you know, they didn't have Foster. Uh, it's all a I'm, say, it's all I'm saying is,
2: I'm, I'm not going to retract. All I'm saying is I love his team, but I don't understand Braylon Edwards before Tony Romo.
1: He's going to smack you with an Eli Manning or a Josh Freeman or something and say whack. You know, that's what you're gonna get here in a minute. What? it's gonna happen. We'll, we'll just find out here in a minute. minute. All right. Well, we'll we'll keep the tabs on watching Tommy Yates it, and uh, let's see how personal he <laughs> takes it. He might just pass. Well, look what he did. There you go. There's your answer, Mike. Now, what do you think? Four thousand yards later, he takes Eli Manning in the ninth round. What do you think now?
2: I, I still think that that was a uh, that that's a pick that right there. He could have had a tight end. He could add Tony Romo right there in Braylon Edwards' spot. Throw out Braylon, Braylon Edwards or Sims Walker. He could throw uh, a tight end into that uh, ninth round pick.
1: Unbelievable! The chat room is going crazy right now. Listen to Mike give the talk to Tommy Yates. I am Tommy. I am Tommy. <laughs> All right, Alex. Uh, listen, you've uh, you, you've broken down a lot of, uh, in this draft, and, and I know you've got it in front of you. Do you see a strategy here? You talk about fish, and you like what he what, what he's able to do here. Um, there, there's there's other teams across the board here that you could you could take a look at and see the way they went about their their business here. Uh, more of a uh, but let's look at Ben Roethlisberger, Wayne Ferguson, pound for pound here, uh, top to bottom. He takes some guys: uh, Andre Johnson, Dwayne Bowe, Kenny Britt, Ocho. That's four guys there. MJD, D'Angelo, Starks, and Jonathan Stewart. Roethlisberger, no tight end yet. Uh, Can it work? It can work. Is it the team that you want to leave Vegas with or leave this big payback draft with? D'Angelo Williams got paid 50-some-odd million to be the man. It's not the same timeshare situation. Talk about drafting D'Angelo and Jonathan Stewart, fourth round ninth round. What are your thoughts on that combo? Um,
4: Well, to be honest, I didn't like it last year. I didn't like it the year before. And I certainly don't like it this year. Uh the whole D'Angelo Jonathan Stewart deal, I just I I don't know. Uh it it does nothing for me. Um so but that's just that's nothing against Wayne and his um uh and his team. That's just my personal uh opinion on that running back situation and and yeah, you have to consider that that is no longer uh John Fox's team, that is no longer John Fox's uh, approach to, um, to you know, how he splits carries at the running back position. So uh, it's quite possible that D'Angelo Williams is going to get 75% of the touches there, 70% of the touches, uh, you know, maybe less than the 55-45 split or whatever 60-40 split that they had in the past. Um, and uh, so now if that's the case, now you have a um, – uh, now you took Jonathan Stewart in the ninth round as a handcuff to D'Angelo Williams, uh, and he's really nothing more than a, ha- and a handcuff uh, on a team that um, you know may not be uh, clearly may not be a powerhouse on offense, and may not even be a, a, a powerhouse as far as the running game goes. So those two guys, I, I, this year I stay away from. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think I draft D'Angelo until he falls in, unless he falls into the fifth round. And I don't think I draft Jonathan Stewart unless he falls into probably at least the tenth, probably more like the eleventh round.
2: Now, what I'm talking about, what I'm talking about with Tommy Yates is coming to fruition. Uh, two good tight ends went off the board, and now he's going to be left pretty much with nothing. So, I, it just I, I harken back to that seventh round. That seventh round because he has a great team and I'm gonna follow this team because it's gonna be that good.
1: Okay, you're backpedaling now. Listen, I can't wait for Tommy to call in here and he's probably gonna be good natured and then and, and, and take it easy on you, but I would love to see him come in here and just rip you to shreds, geez. I would just love would to love hear to. it. I would, would love it. It would make it would make my weekend, man. All right, well, look, we've got uh you know, honestly
2: got, Scott. Honestly Scott Alex I would love it uh, because that would make me a better uh make me a better drafter to understand why Braylon Edwards goes before Tony Romo. And uh,
4: can I just yeah. he... I'm going to I'm going to take Mike's side here. I'm going to take my side and I'm going to box with uh Tommy here. Uh and and I know what he did here with the Daniel Thomas pick uh and Reggie, you know, having Reggie Bush. But I if that was me, I take Greg Olson here in the tenth round, and I don't look back. Um, I I I hear what Mike is saying, but I think this was the time now to now, unless he's got a tight end up his sleeve that uh, nobody knows about. Uh, I I think after seeing that Gronkowski went and Cook yep. went to pass on Olson here, and considering there probably at least two three tight ends might go off the board. Uh, before it comes back to him, I think is a mistake, and, and I and I think Tommy may uh, may agree with me by the time this draft is over. Yeah. Well,
1: maybe he's high on maybe he's high on Kendricks, or maybe he's high on Zach Miller or Gresham, or Hernandez. There's so many tight ends that could be very. Huge. What if what if Cooley is still there, or what if he's not there, and you think Fred Davis is the same play? You could still get him late. There's just so many options that you're the tight end. We'll see how it plays out. That's why we do. This. That's why we love it. But a lot of people are saying Braylon over Romo, and it's not really Braylon over Romo, guys. You've got to remember, he's still got Eli Manning, okay? It's Braylon over Devon Bess, okay? There's a big drop in wide receiver from the seventh to the ninth round. He wanted to grab his wide receiver three. I can't say I blame him. I don't like the Benson pick. I hate the Benson pick. I'd never take Benson. But he likes Braylon Edwards over the value he was going to get in the ninth over uh, at a wide receiver. So Eli over Romo isn't that hard to believe. But Braylon over Devon, Best, you know, I'll take Braylon right now in that offense. I think he could do do some good things there. So we'll we'll have to see. I mean, it's obviously Vernon Davis and Frank Gore, uh, that show. They're gonna they're gonna have some quarterback troubles like they always do. Alex Smith is not an NFL caliber quarterback. I can't believe he earned another year. I don't see how this guy survives year after year. I don't understand it, but I'm not a coach, so Okay, well maybe Big Mo will take a tight end too. Uh, is in the tenth round. Here comes a, a tight end run, Mike. Uh, four tight ends in the last five picks. Uh, are you are you seeing anything? Wayne Fergus is in, in this spot too. There goes Zach Miller. Five out of six picks, Mike. Maybe you're right. Tight yep.
2: You know that tight end run's going to happen, and uh, you know they're they're just going to keep on rolling. And uh, you know I think Tom he'll be able to find one. Like you said, uh, he'll he'll have one. Uh, You know, somebody hidden, but uh, Bish, uh, you know, he don't need a tight end. And uh, furthermore, uh, you know, Rocky, he don't need a tight end. So, uh, you know, there might be one that goes to him. But uh, I'll tell you what, uh, right now Lonnie's looking for a tight end at that big Mo, He's looking for a tight end.
1: All right, let's take a look at a couple of other teams here. Uh, Let's look at K.J. Duke with Calvin Johnson, Vincent Jackson, Vernon Davis, LeGarrette Blunt. We talked about Blunt being the RB1, Alex, uh, in the fourth round. He gets Phillip Rivers, comes back with your guy, Joe Adai, who you talked about earlier. Loves. He gets Austin he's getting. It just seems like he's stacking up guys that, you know what, week in, week out, you're going to plug them into your lineup. You're not going to be thrilled with Joseph Adai. You're not going to be thrilled with Brett Jackson, but that's what fantasy teams are all about. It doesn't matter if you're the Flash. It's are you involved in the offense and Fred Jackson and Joseph Adai, barring injury, are gonna be heavily involved.
4: Yeah, this is a well built team here. Um he knows what he's doing here with Calvin and Vincent and uh, you know, he um pulled the trigger on the tight end, not worrying about the running back. Uh he knew he was gonna get, you know, somebody like a Blount or or uh, whoever else he liked there. If you like you know, he passed on D'Angelo obviously, uh, as I would have. Uh, for Blunt uh, and Phillip Rivers in the fifth round. You know, you gotta. There's another thing that I don't know if you guys touched on uh, before I came on. You have to remember what, this format here. This is a victory points format, and Scott and I have played in victory points uh, format since the early 2000. And this is a little. It's a little bit of a tricky format. Um, that you know, it kind of. If you think about it, it, it makes you uh it, it makes your draft tra- it alters your draft strategy ever so slightly where you're trying to to get steady production. You don't necessarily have to build an explosive team here. You're trying to get as much week to week production here as possible because what you want to be is you want to be getting those victory points whether through a win, a uh, head to head win or whether through placing at the top 4. Uh, of your um of the week uh of uh, the weekly scoring uh by getting two victory points that way, and even if you uh place in the middle, you get one point uh so it 's all about victory points, and the way you get victory points is by having that steady production and I think the way that for example the way that k j Duke built this team, you know you 're gonna get that steady production from uh from the top three guys uh Philip Rivers, you know, he wanted to lock up the that guy, uh, the quarterback who's rarely going to have an off day. And uh, you know, Blunt and Adair also, they're 10-point a week guys basically in the bank. I mean, you know, uh so I think that that is uh, that's a really really smart way. I don't know if he was taking that in consideration uh what I'm talking about here, the victory points, but uh uh but that's definitely a, a good way to approach uh to approach this uh draft strategy here.
1: Oh, I can't wait to bring on this next caller from the 412 area code home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Tommy Yates, buddy. What's up, buddy?
3: Hi, Scotty. Hi, Mike. How you doing, Hi, Tommy.
2: How you doing?
3: Tommy. I'm I'm good, fellas. I'm good. I was, uh... Sitting here drafting away, and then I start. I saw Mike jumping on my team. I figured I'd better call it and uh, defend myself a little bit. But uh, you know what? You have valid points. You got all valid points, and uh, and this draft is is very very full of people who who definitely know what they're doing, and everybody has their own strategies. I mean, I've I've drafted uh, two FTC drafts the last two nights. You know, with the same scoring system here and everything. And the tight ends, they, they lasted longer in those. And uh, I thought, I'm going to be honest with you. Here's what I thought going into the tight end thing. You were going off about them, me taking Daniel Thomas, and Alex was right. I wanted to back up Reggie Bush. Uh, and I actually, I thought that Thomas would be long gone by then. I just, I just knew he wasn't coming back. I took a shot thinking, and um, my guy, who I like a lot this year, who as a sleeper. and I've been getting him as like my third tight end in other drafts, but I I think he can be a starter. As Lance Kendricks, he went two picks later uh, to Ollie. Ollie took him, and I thought he might get back to me. And I want to tell you why. Uh, I know you got a lot of listeners here, and I should I should, probably shouldn't say this, but I was I've been working in St. Louis for the past month, and I went to one I went to one of their scrimmages, and I went to their game last week. And I'll tell you what that guy is very involved in that offense. He is going to wow. be something this year. He's a rookie, and uh, and he's and he's everything. He caught a touchdown tonight. I haven't seen the game on television, but I was looking at the uh, computer. I know he's got. I know he's got a touchdown tonight. He's he's That's two weeks he's in a row. Field. I'm sorry. What was that? Two weeks in a row. Uh, to, uh, I'm so, I, I missed that question again. I'm sorry, Mike. What did you say?
1: No, Kendrick's two week two weeks in a row he's caught that touchdown. So, oh
3: yeah, two weeks yeah two weeks in a row. Plus in the scrimmage I went to he caught a touchdown in that too. They were doing goal line and uh, and uh, even when they had they were doing three wide receiver sets with with Brad Bradford in the shotgun and he was on the field. He was the, he was the only guy non wide receiver on the field. You know a rook. So he's going to be out there and uh, well the, you know people listening will know now
2: Lance Kendricks,
3: Believe it is gonna is gonna be a nice tight end this year. I thought he might come back to me. Greg Olson, I I, I didn't think he would make it. I thought there was a shot, but uh, but since I waited so long, I mean I've been getting like one of the top five most most drafts that I've been in this year. Just didn't work out tonight, you know. Tonight a lot of people wanted one of their tight ends. A lot of people took two of them early, and uh, I'm happy with with the rest of the team. And I still think I can get somebody, but uh, my you know your constructive criticism. Is is well taken. And uh, same with you, Alex. I mean, you know, yeah, p- point well taken. You got a very good point. I might get totally shut out. But, uh, you know, I have to find one guy to plug in there every week. I think the rest of the team is pretty deep, though. So, Eli, uh, anyway, um, you, know, uh, you were going off about the Tony Romo versus Eli Manning. Ah, uh, what the heck. I mean, yeah, Romo's going to hey. get his points. But Eli's not so bad either. Plus, I wanted to I, I I like to do, you know, how, like, Alex, you were talking about. You like to pair up maybe a running back and a tight end. So every once in a while, I like to put a quarterback uh, with his with his wide receiver. And and I got Hakeem in the second round, so I figured, yeah, I'll take a so Eli's going to be around. He'll be the guy I take, and I'll get double points every time they score. So uh, yeah, I just well, I just, Tom, you know like what, that.
4: Tommy, I I obviously listen. You you know you, you know what the heck you're doing here. Uh, but I think looking back, and you know hindsight is 2020. I think uh, with with Daniel Thomas as definitely a guy that you know you wanted to to lock up, and I agree with you. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know the fact that he's even there, I, I think you you probably should have considered Daniel Thomas there in the ninth round. You probably should have locked up your tight end. Uh, oh, I understand the point about Lance Kendricks, and you were hoping that you'd make it around. But I think maybe the the, the thing to do here would have been to take Daniel Thomas where you took uh, instead of Eli Manning to lock up that tight end in the tenth round. And you know what you may have not not gotten Eli Manning back but I guarantee you, you would have gotten someone someone uh like uh Freeman or uh you know who I don't I don't have the uh the draft board right. in front of me uh, um, Patrick, somebody Patrick like that in the NFL Yeah Patrick.
3: you're right somebody in those numbers you you are absolutely correct Alex and and it was just it was just me being a bit bullheaded because I wanted the hookup I I was looking for the hookup and uh so and I saw and I'll tell you, that. And i another book I've been trying to get all summer that I have not been able to get is uh, I keep getting Pettigrew. I get Pettigrew a lot. I love Pettigrew this year too. And uh, and every once in a while I get Calvin if I'm in the right spot. And I never get Stafford. Somebody grab, I'm thinking Stafford's going to be there. Somebody loves Stafford every single time. So he took him tonight, was it Billy Wise? He took him. He took him to this. Uh, as his no no he took Matt Ryan. No, Aloha uh, Brothers
4: so, took him as his number two behind Aaron Rodgers, which is uh, which is yeah. pretty interesting. I, I you know that's surprising. Yeah.
3: Yeah, Aloha. What are you throwing to me out there? God, you got Aaron Rodgers. You're never going to play Matthew Stafford. Hey, do you mean hey, for a poor guy from Pittsburgh for God's sake, what? <laughs> hey, hey,
1: Tommy, listen, 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 buddy. Don't listen to listen. him. Uh, don't listen to him. if you don't know Tommy Yates, ten stacks of high society here, baby. One hundred K. How did it feel to get that one hundred K? Come on, that's, that's what we're playing this game for. I want my hundred K. How did it feel to get your one
3: hundred K? Hey, I I like you know what? I when I go up to Vegas, when I come to these drafts, there are so many friends and you and you guys I haven't met Mike yet, but Alex and 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 you are, are such good friends of mine uh that i i just i would love to see everybody win a hundred grand alex's partner dave has won a hundred grand i mean there's there's uh it's it's that was reminding me you know don Miller you know, was a buddy of mine before he won a hundred grand a lot of these and and i just love to see friends win these things there's nothing like it uh, and oh yeah this year 200 grand with you guys i mean you know so i've already won a hundred grand i'm gonna try and win 200 grand this year that'll be nice that'll be even better uh, you know, great players. There's there's a ton of great players that have not won yeah. for whatever reason. I mean, you know, it, it takes a lot of luck at the end of this thing. You know, Wayne Ellis, Jack Hahn. Well Jack actually, Jack won the uh online over at the other contest last year. He uh you know, he was he was the online champ, so he's a champ now too. But uh but it's you know, it's it's, it's we all that's this is why we do it, right? And uh, and this particular Absolutely. contest right here, you know, winning this thing Puts you in the seat with the big kids next season, and uh, and and there's nothing like it. It's it's a it's a beauty because you know most of us aren't rich. I'm a construction worker for God's sake. It's a uh, it's, uh, it's it's a wonderful thing to be able to have a shot at something like this. And and it's well, okay, hey, what, something I look forward to. So
2: it, it, you know it's awesome to have you. It's awesome to have you on the show uh, with uh, uh, Scott and Alex and I. And uh, you know I was breaking down your team, and uh, Scott said. He's going to come on. He's going to come on, and here you are. And I uh, appreciate that, man. <laughs> uh, you know, you still got a little work to do, and uh, I know your pick's coming up in the next uh, couple, uh, three picks. So, uh, you know, just, uh, hey, we're we're around 11. Uh, there's a lot more to be done, but uh, so far so good, man. Appreciate it. Hey, hey,
1: hey Connie, get him with that, get, get that coolie fred Davis combo. We'll let you go and uh, get your draft rolling, buddy.
2: Thanks, guys. Good to talk
3: to you, Scotty, Alex, Mikey. Hope to see you all in Vegas. And, uh, and uh, sooner or later, I'm going to grab a tight end here. Okay, fellas?
0: <laughs> all right.
3: Okay. <go> <laughs> Bye-bye.
1: All right. That was our good friend Tommy Yates Recovery Boy. $100,000 richer a couple years ago. And, uh, man, it's got to make you feel good. Alex, that's why we all play the game for the for the uh, the shot at the big payday. And, and, look, you still got a chance to get this tight end ship righted if if one of these guys don't decide to stab him here in the back, you know, Cooley, Fred Davis is a nice combo to just go ahead and lock up and get it out of the way. And then, you know what, you're starting your court, You're starting your tight end who's going to be in a pass-heavy offense. I mean, let's face it, the Redskins in that division, they're going to be throwing a lot. I don't care who the quarterback is, but they care who the tight end is. It's Cooley or Davis. And, and Davis has shown us in the past that he sits on the bench if Cooley plays. It's not like in a timeshare situation. So if Cooley's playing, if he's healthy, he's out there, and if he's not, and Fred Davis, I think he's shown us enough that maybe he is a piece, Alex. I don't
4: know. What do you think about that combo? Uh, well, you're right. That, that you're 100% right uh, that it is Cooley uh, that's always out there. And, uh, I mean, they do run the two tight end set in the red zone once in a while, and uh, you'll see that. But for the most part, no, it's, it's definitely not a Gronkowski-Hernandez situation by any means. Uh, and, you know, this year is um, – you know, who knows what will happen this year. Maybe they will platoon him platoon him a little bit more because of uh Cooley's knee. Uh maybe Cooley's gonna try to tough it out and, you know, he it maybe he won't be missing games necessarily, but uh, you know, maybe they'll cut his snaps down. Uh, you know, to uh uh sixty percent or fifty percent and then uh and that and that will obviously get real messy in, in the case of your own Cooley uh or uh Fred Davis. But um you know uh look you you you're, you're certainly hearing a lot about Fred Davis and there's uh Tommy Yates grabbing him uh so he's liking it um that situation uh you know i i, mean, I don't know i think it's it, it, to me it's a toss up frankly uh it's it's a little bit of a guessing game and uh you know if it pays off you definitely you you it's paying off for you in the 11th round but I would have definitely liked to have uh, another tight end early on before uh, relying on Fred Davis as my starter.
1: 347-324-5404 is the number. If you want to call and tell us, we've got 20 left on the program, you can call and tell us who you think has the best team, who's going to be sitting at that Vegas Big Payback League $5,000 entry fee league next year. Uh, you call us up, give us the team name, and tell us one reason why you think they have the best team. There's a lot of good teams here. I like the comp. The Chris Johnson situation is one we're all watching uh, on bated breath here. Uh, it looks like it's a, he was he was taking one eight. Alex, that's about uh, the spot where you've got to be thinking Andre and Calvin Johnson, even Roddy White uh, at this point in the game. What do you think about Chris Johnson in the first round, and and where is your point in which you decide that you,
4: uh you've got to go ahead and take. It. Yeah, that's a you know that is a great question because um uh, I I was uh I have uh the 11th pick and my buddy also have an, has an 11th pick in his league and we were discussing I have an 11th pick in, a, in another league in a local league and uh he has an an 11th pick in his local league and I was telling him, "Hey, you know, you may be looking at Chris Johnson uh, if you're if your draft is about a week from now and he's still not signed at the eleventh pick and he's telling me he's telling me I don't care, I'm not taking him. I'm like, you're gonna pass a Chris Johnson on Chris Johnson in the eleventh pick? And he's like, Yep. And and I got that got me thinking and I think I may be passing him too on him too if he's not signed. And I'll tell you why, because look at Re look at Daryl Reeves last year. Okay? Uh look at what happened when he held out the entire the entire August. Uh, here's a guy who relies on on his, you know, athleticism and, and, and his, you know, leg work, just like Chris Johnson does, okay? I mean, that's his bread and butter, Darryl Revis, is his legs, you know? And and here's a guy who would miss the entire training camp the entire August, okay? Um, and um, just like Chris Johnson is, came back, and what happened? Pulled a hamstring and basically took him, I think, half a, half a season to get back into game shape right uh you know i wouldn't not be surprised if if that's the chris johnson's uh you know um fate uh this year or and it, even if he doesn't have any kind of catastrophic injury i mean I, I just don't see a guy like that being in any kind of shape uh to to really produce and you know it's not like he's coming into you know the uh the saints or the colt's offense i mean you know if he's he's got a an over the hill, her um, back as the QB, and you know, really not much to speak of in terms of the, the offense. Uh, so, you know, I, I would be very, really concerned with drafting Chris Johnson. Uh, with you know guys like Calvin Johnson or maybe you know Mendenhall. Well, in this case, Mendenhall was gone. But I think I would I would take Mendenhall and uh, the wide receivers uh, over Chris Johnson at this point.
1: Let's take a look at some of those running backs that were drafted. Uh, if you decided to wait on a wide, uh, on a running back and you took wide receivers, maybe tight ends or quarterbacks, sixth round or further, Alex, you've got guys uh, in here. Somebody's got to be a gem here. Remember the Darren McFadden of last year? That's what you're looking for. Somebody that can step up and and take over a team when given an opportunity. Do you see anybody sixth round or greater that you say you look at and say, you know what? That's a guy that I can see doing something
4: uh sure uh there's there's only one guy in my opinion now uh, uh, let's let's um, put uh the Redskins running back situation aside for a second cuz you know obviously you have terrain and, and Hightower and, and even Halo and nobody knows what the heck is going on especially with Shanahan so that's just a a totally you know unique situation so that aside you know think about what running back can uh be this year's McFadden or let's i mean that's you know that's probably a little bit too much to ask, but what running back who's not necessarily a starter uh or is projected to be a starter right now uh who can take over uh the starting job not necessarily even with injury uh as a result of injury, but just uh because uh he you know he is uh he's, he's the better player you know and and got the, the the better pedigree and I think that guy is uh c j spiller frankly uh I think he is the guy that. If you really think about it, he's probably the only running back that can overtake, that can win the starting job over the current starting running back. In the entire NFL, I'm talking about, barring injury. And I think that's the guy, you know, kind of very similar to a Michael Bush, uh, McFadden situation last year where almost everyone thought that Michael Bush was the man. And and the McFadden was just going to be complimentary. You know, he was going to catch the balls. He was going to, you know, come in on the third downs and, you know, maybe get his uh, 150, 180 carries. And Michael Bush was going to be the bell cow, but obviously it didn't turn out that way. And I think CJ Spiller maybe not 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 necessarily Darren McFadden of 2011, but you know maybe uh, more productive uh, and definitely outplay his uh, his ADP.
1: Mike, I'll give that same question to you. Looking at the back for the sixth round, uh, I mean, I see a Brandon Jacobs there who is definitely a timeshare situation with Bradshaw. Bradshaw's not going anywhere, but Jacobs has that goal line presence, and he looked like a monster the other night against the Bears, who I thought were a better defense than that. So I kind of like the Brandon Jacobs pick in the seventh round. Yeah, I do too.
2: Uh, Brandon Jacobs, he's uh, he's already, uh, you know, he's told himself that pretty much, look, If it's going to be uh, me and Ahmad, then it's going to be me and Ahmad. It's going to be back and forth. But uh, he looks very strong. Uh, I I totally agree with Alex on what he said about uh, C.J. Spiller. This is a team that needs direction. And I'm not, you know, I don't know where that direction is going to be, but the starting running back might not be it. But uh, C.J. Spiller might be that uh, – might be that glue that uh you know fits them in uh so I'm looking at uh, c j spiller and uh uh obviously uh uh Brandon Brandon jacobs Jacob. uh yeah uh, so those two uh and you know you always gotta uh, look at the uh the hoodie and the the hoodie in the offense with uh danny woodhead you know it, w- it wouldn't surprise me to see woodhead just do the things that he did uh last year. Hey
4: the by way, way, he uh, got, the way, uh the guy, the um correct. my uh who was it? Oh, it was Dave. Uh my partner Dave in the chat room mentioned Starks as uh another guy who could take over uh the starting running back. And I think that that's definitely correct. I I, I probably should mention Stark when I say C J Spill is the only one, maybe Starks is is probably the uh the second one uh that could do that. But But at the same time, Starks, I don't believe, I'm not a big college guy, but I don't believe Starks had nearly the pedigree that a C.J. Spiller had, you know, drafted ninth overall in the first round. I think wasn't Starks something like a six-round pick last year or something, you know, really, really low. Uh, And I don't know what, what, you know, uh, about his college career. So, yeah, that could happen. But I think with C.J. Spiller, you clearly have a pedigree a guy with a pedigree who the team drafted in the ninth uh, ninth overall, and they want to get him involved. I think that was. Well, let my me point.
2: let me ask you guys this, uh, both of you, uh, Alex and uh, Scott. You know, we have a lot of running backs. They run hard and uh, you know very tough. I'm looking at a uh, I'm looking at backup running back right now. Uh, let's face it. I mean, Peyton Hillis, he runs hard, strong, every time. So he's more likely for an injury. Is that why Material Hardesty has moved up to draft boards a lot, or why has he moved up to draft boards?
1: Well, uh, your guess is as good as mine, Mike. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. He has—he was the one back uh, in the draft that, we, uh, that last, uh, what, two years ago, uh, I'm sorry, last year when it was uh Ben Tate and Hardesty, both those guys had season ending the injuries and never really got to show us what they had. But they they came out of college with uh, a, a nice uh accumulation of stats and, and good power and speed and Hardesty was drafted by uh your boy uh Holmgren's uh you know entourage there uh to be to be the, the type of back to carry the Rockets. So I think the Hill thing kinda caught him by surprise a little bit, but um is a guy that can be a nice complementary player and be even uh, a startable player in, in this league. But Peyton Hillis, there's no if, if he's if he's there if he's healthy he's going to be the man. I mean it, he showed us everything we needed to see last year. I personally love the picks by Kip Lockwood here: Nimrod's in the two hole, Delone Carter and Kendall Hunter. I'm telling you guys, I live here in Indy. Uh, we get all the news. We watch all the highlights. We're watching the Colts game now. Delone Carter is the best back on the roster. Uh, Joseph and I. Uh, obviously has more experience, he's more trusted, he can protect the quarterback. DeLone Carter has to prove all that. He still has to prove that. So I don't know how long that takes. Does that take six weeks? Does that take eight weeks? Does that take all season, maybe next season? So there are questions. But in the 12th round, you're getting a guy who is arguably the best back on the roster from what we can see. I mean, a Adai just doesn't have that explosive ability. He just doesn't. He doesn't have the power. Uh, but he will be heavily involved, and that's the thing. You've got Peyton Manning, you're going to be in the Colts' offense, you're the running back, you're going to be heavily involved. Kendall Hunter, also another explosive player. We saw him bust off, like, a 50-yard run in a preseason game, uh, reminiscent of, like, Javid Best and what he did the preseason. If there was any issues with Gore, which I think there still are, right? Gore is not gotten his contract taken care of, right? So, Alex, do you know a little bit more about that situation? What what, what are we facing with Gore here? Is he still safe to draft in the second round?
4: Uh. Well, there, I think there's there are two guys this year who one of them got a contract and one is hoping to get a contract that I think you draft uh, or you, either you draft those guys or you don't draft those guys regardless of whether they have contracts or not. And, and the guys that I'm talking about is Larry Fitzgerald and Frank Gore. Those are two football players that play regardless of whether they're getting paid or not. Agree. And and, Agreed. and I think that you know you look at Frank Gore and you look at his injury, you look at his, the offense, you look at the team, you know his you project his uh, you know his points. It doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter if he's okay. getting paid or not. And you know I I had a, somebody said to me, oh I'm not sure I want to draft Larry Fitzgerald this year because he just signed his contract. I mean please, what do you think? You think he's uh, he's Haynesworth? You know Larry Fitzgerald. You know, this this guy's gonna play harder because he got money, if not you know, if anything. So, um so yeah, those guys, um I have no issues with Gore as far as that goes. But uh, you know, the thing about Delon Carter, Scott, and you know, with the rookie running backs and Peyton Manning and you talk about protection, the reason why uh Joseph Adai is in there um all day long and passing downs and you know, granted Brown uh you know, Brown did come in uh last year a little more often, but um it, you know, when you put a rookie out there, all it takes is one missed, uh, missed uh, blitz pickup. And, you know, your quarterback, especially a quarterback with a nerve damage, you know, who just got recovered from nerve damage, you know, is on a sideline for eight weeks. So uh, while I will not doubt uh, the ability of long Carter, I think uh, his protection ability uh, is going to be, is going to have to be not just good, not just great, but it's going to have to be flawless for him to uh, really be on the field over Joseph Adai, um, uh you know, any significant amount of time.
1: Uh, this is one of those special years that rookies have not had the time to participate in practice and everything is brand new for them. It's a whirlwind. And very likely this is the year that if you if you do like rookies, this is the year to pass on them all together just because it's going to be a, a difficult situation for them all year round. They're going to be behind the curve with the rest of the team. But this Frank Gore situation – is uh is getting a little hairy again. Drew Rosenhaus is involved. Gore wants an extension. If you read the reports of him snapping at assistant coaches as the pressure of the situation wears on him, they say it's totally out of character for Gore. I mean, he wants that De- DeAngelo Williams type money, that you know, forty-five million, five-year type money with all that twenty million guaranteed or whatever. That's what that's what Gore wants. But I agree with you. He is a football player, but. Look, this is a, this thing is wearing on him. It's getting late. We only have one more week of preseason left after this one, and it's it's do or die. So Gore, they better get it taken care of because uh, if they know what's good for him, Gore's the best player on the team.
4: Yeah, well, you know, I, I'll I, again, I, I won't be concerned with the contract. Uh, the contract, you know, guys like uh, Chris Johnsons, I would be concerned with uh, a guy like um, I don't know. Um, I, I I mean I. I can't give you another example. I think Chris Johnson is a perfect one uh, because he is in a holdout year. Uh, but look at Frank Gore. He uh, he held out and then he said, you know what, I'm, uh, this is ridiculous. This is not me. And I'm sure it was his own decision probably to go back to camp. Uh, he probably just didn't want to sit out. So, uh, you know, I, I remember follow uh, following Frank Gore ever since he came into uh, into the league. And, and I remember him giving an interview a couple of times on, I think it was Sirius Radio or maybe some other program i mean i i just absolutely love the way that, the the way that his attitude towards football and towards hey, towards the game he's just yeah he's just an amazing amazing football player i cannot ever see a a guy like that or or a guy like you know steven jackson give less than 100% because they're not happy with their contract
2: you know what alex i was uh, talking to scott uh, earlier this year uh, you know, we were talking about the uh, holdouts and uh, or, or lockout. I mean, and things like that. And there, there are certain players that come across as players that just want to play the game. And Frank Gore is one of them. Steven Jackson is another one. And these are guys. You know what? Yeah, they, they want a lot of money, and, and they want to be paid what, what what they're doing. They want to be paid well. At the end of the day, they're going to continue to work hard and do it, and they're going to perform for their team at that time. Uh, Frank Gore, there is no doubt in my mind, week one, September 11th, he's going to be ready to play.
1: All right, mental note here, guys. Mental note, if you're watching the SFPc draft tonight, you're trying to take some notes and something away from this that you can use in Vegas when you arrive. Mental note number one. Look at where the handcuffs are going in these drafts, rounds 12 and 13. You see Carter, you see Murray, you see Hunter, Bush, Thomas Jones, Ringer, Helu, Tate, Hardesty, rounds 12 and 13. That's mental note number one. Uh, Mental note number two, uh, you know what? I I see that uh, defenses are going to round 12. It doesn't really matter to me. I don't take a defense until the last round. Okay. Let's play that game, Alex. We just played it with running backs. Let's play it with wide receivers. Seventh round or further? No, you know what? Let's not include that seventh round. Let's go eighth round or further here. You want a wide receiver that you might you might uh, have lightning in a bottle here. What do you see in the eighth round here that, that looks like a wide receiver you would be excited about? Uh, do you see anything here that uh, might make some sense?
4: Uh, well, you only have, what, five wide receivers here that went in the, uh, I'm sorry, the eighth round, two wide receivers went. Obviously, Mike Sims walker is kind of the unknown, you know, how is he going to uh, fit into that offense? Uh, you know, so you're kind of flipping a coin there. I really don't think anyone uh, can can really handicap that situation uh, correctly. You know, you either going to guess it right or going to guess it wrong, in my opinion. Steve Smith, the guy, the other guy who went here in the eighth round, I, I you know, I don't touch that guy. Well, with a tenth round or no. later, Over, or huh? later, eighth round
1: or later.
4: Right. Uh, okay. All right. I'll I'll move on to the ninth round. Um, Robin Meacham. You know, I, I know I know some people are very high on him. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know. There, the Drew Brees with Drew Brees. With Drew Brees, I, I just don't I don't really see uh unless there's an injury to Colston, I don't see how Robert Meacham could be consistent performer week to week and, and Lance Moore there. Um I don't like any of the guys there, Devon Best, eh uh Heinz Ward, Andre Roberts, Malcolm Floyd, Greg Little. I I you know, Greg Little, uh I keep hearing Greg Little is gonna be the number one guy in Cleveland. Uh the only problem is uh he's the number one guy in Cleveland. You see, that's that's kinda of thing. Yeah. You know, that's the problem. So, yeah. um, you know, Johnny Knox, I don't know. Jacoby Ford I guess is really you know, I'm going down the list here. Uh Jacoby Ford, it looks like he may be like the only the only healthy wide receiver uh in in Oakland and uh, keep in mind he also gets uh special teams points too here with the action scoring with the FFPC. so and he gets uh I believe he'll get some reverses and he'll get some rushing yards there as well. Uh, some trick plays, so you know maybe a guy like uh, Jacoby Ford uh, is really the the one guy that I could see uh, uh, truly busting out of all, out of all these wide receivers. But you know what it is, this, these guys drafted well. I mean, you know they they didn't leave anything here uh, past the seventh round. I mean, you look at the seventh round. I mean, they grabbed everyone. Look at the seventh round. I mean, look at this: Amendola, Santana, Moss, Lance Moore, Mike Thomas. Lee Evans, Collie, Braylon Edwards, and and Julio Jones. I mean, that is a great seventh round for wide receivers. They grabbed everyone.
1: Yeah, it looks a little thin out there. If I'm looking at anybody that maybe has that uh, explosive potential out here, uh, you know, Greg Little, obviously, with Colt McCoy, maybe a rookie can can pull that off because there's just nobody else to throw to. Uh, Jacoby Ford. Maybe Jordy Nelson is better than advertised uh, to a lot of the critics. They don't believe what we saw late in the season was legit. Um, it's, it, it just looks really thin to me at wide receiver. It looks like the handcuff at running backs are definitely happening around these rounds. you got to get those. Uh, I definitely would fill up on tight end and quarterback post-round seven. So if I'm going 8, 9, 10, 11... I really like the depth at quarterback and tight end. I don't like the depth tight or at wide receiver. So I'm going quarterbacks and tight ends at 8 through 11. Rounds 1 through 7, I'm going running backs and wide receiver. That's just kind of how I look at the draft of the depth. I don't want anything in the seventh through the 11th, uh skill position players. I, I just don't feel it because it's just all been picked over in the first 7 rounds. So I kind of like the approach of forgetting about the quarterback and tight end and just filling up on them in the mid-rounds, 8, 9, 10, 11, grab two of each. You're gonna be set. There's still a lot of value there. I mean, who wouldn't like who would who would who would be uncomfortable with, you know, uh Greg Olson and Zach Miller and uh Ben Roethlisberger and uh Sam Bradford. I mean yeah. that's the four guys you can get and feel pretty good. Just wait, have patience on the quarterback and the tight end and I think I think I, I feel I feel a little bit better about that. Mike, I wanna tell you something real quick. The Kentucky draft uh slots are out or the not the draft slots, the league assignments, and uh Alex I think you'll find this funny. Mike is drafting against Kimber Slicer.
2: Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I told Rachel about it today, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. We're drafting against one of the best of the best. And she's like, oh, great. <laughs> but we'll have fun. We'll have fun. We'll see what happens.
1: Well, that's why you watch the draft like this. Remember, though, you can't take a lot. This is the one-and-a-half PPR. This is a dual flex that so doesn't have that 3RR. So it's going to be a totally different draft experience. Uh, uh, that we this weekend, but Alex, thank you for being uh, part of this. Thank you for bringing the uh, big payback leagues to Red oh, and yeah. Blue. We've always enjoyed it. We have a lot of fun with these things. Again, it's the biggest draft of the year for us. We look forward to this, and um, you know, maybe uh, maybe one of these days we'll we'll get to play. If I'm going to play, though, I'm not going to commentate. I know how those drafts turn out. So, Alex, thanks, hey, for...
3: hey
2: thanks, thanks a lot, man.
4: It's always good to talk to you. Alright, thank you for having us and uh for hosting the leagues for us. Thank you.
1: All right, that's Alex Taganovsky of the FFPC, guys. And uh man, he's just I tell you what, you know, he can drop some knowledge on you uh when you when you uh just want to have a conversation. He's the type of guy that'll take your call and uh you know what? He'll he'll rap with you about any type of uh any type of strategy or scenario you want to throw at him. He'll tell you what he thinks. And uh, I'm telling you, you, you hang around guys like this, and you can't help but get a little bit smarter about your team construction, about your draft ideas. Um, these are the guys that have been playing this thing since the beginning. We've all been playing it since the beginning, but some of us just consume this stuff, you know, more than you could possibly imagine. And I'll tell you, it feels a little weird, Mike. I mean, a party down the street, I'm over there hanging out, and they're like, yeah, we got a green Way league. I'm like, are you serious? A wintergreen Way league, and I've never been invited. Okay. And well, they, they're like, yeah, yeah, you can play. Yeah, so I'm in it this year. We're going to play. But we start talking, and they had no idea that people are making a living playing fantasy football. They had no yeah. idea that there are the Chad Schroeders of the world, the Tommy Yates of the world, the Dave Gerzak, the Don Metters, uh all the guys, the John Haskells, all the guys that can make a living at this thing uh, yeah. playing fantasy football and make a good living at it. They're playing 20, 30 teams. Uh, these guys can really bring in some cash and have a lot of fun doing it. And we take it to the extreme. A lot of fantasy football players, what I've noticed, they love the NFL. They like fantasy football. What happens after you play it enough, though, you start to love fantasy football uh, almost about the same level as the NFL. And so things start to change with how you watch and enjoy the games. And that's when it really starts getting kind of, you know, in that addictive power that, that fantasy football has. Then you start opening up into some of these lower stakes, mid stakes leagues and win your way into a seat at high stakes. That's the way to get it done, man. I'm telling you, that's the way to market to the casual fantasy player to get them exposed to the industry that is high stakes fantasy football. Well, Scott, real quick,
2: you know, I, I, it's been uh, two times this week. I had uh, two friends uh, that asked me, "Well, uh, I'm I'm getting ready to go into my fantasy draft. You know, they're they're kind of new to it, and uh, I was ca- kind of giving them direction and this and that, and." They were like, well, uh, as the season goes on, what happens? I said, well, I'll listen to Red versus Blue, and uh, we'll we'll show you the way. Uh, you know, just to ask me questions and listen to Red versus Blue because a lot of good stuff happens on this show, Scott. And uh, you know, a great thanks to uh, Alex for uh, jumping in there for for a long time. That was great. A lot of a lot
1: of good teams here. We talked about Big Mo. We talked about Kit Lockwood, Jeff Smith, at Fierce, Billy Waz, uh, one of the most uh, veteran players in the industry. Uh, Rock Frost, we're going to get to know Rock, uh, again, from the World Championship, coming over to the FFPC, trying out the format. Good to see Rock here tonight. Jeff Gill, another good friend. Wayne Ferguson, can't wait to see Wayne in Vegas. Richard Oliver, uh, again, uh, not a name that we're, we, we've we seen in the big payback spectrum, but, uh, but not a bad effort tonight. K.J. Duke, what do you got to say about him? Uh, baseball success, football success, pretty much everything he does. Tommy Yates, Darren Armani from Fantasy Mojo runs the pros versus Joe's leagues, and then Michael Bronte on Tuesday night. I'll be their guest on the Big F and Dynasty show. Mike, that's all we got, man. The big payback. red We'll see you guys next week.
0: You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide with your host, Scott Atkins, and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.